0: Every soul is precious to our Heavenly Father. Each one of his children has immeasurable potential in his sight. He loves you with a love you cannot even begin to comprehend. At times like that, just
1: look up and leave. It's up to us to go down the road that leads us back home. It's up to us to... Every soul is precious to our Heavenly Father. Every soul. That means you. Welcome back to the Worth of Souls podcast. Today we're discussing thought habit number six, being truly grateful in adversity. I'm Brent.
2: And I'm Andrea. We hope that you've been able to see the impact of these principles and what they've done for your daily life by this point. We pray you'll be able to stay with us through discussions of the remaining thought habits of Christ— so that each one of them can become that rooted within you. Hopefully, you also remember pretty well about stewardships and enticements from the last couple of lessons. These two concepts really build on each other, especially with what we're going to be talking about today. As we remember, stewardships are everything the Lord has given to us time, talents, money, everything. Everything belongs to the Lord. And enticements, they are everything that trigger me and pull me in either a temporal focus or a spiritual focus within my stewardships. If you have have had a chance to practice both of these ideas, then you know how much they interact with each other on a daily basis. For example, I have the stewardship right now of homeschooling my kids. And the enticements that I feel... (laughs) within that stewardship make up a huge part of my day.
1: And I can testify that there are hardly any stewardship assignments that cause her to have enticements being a homeschooling mother (laughs) because I've been home with her for the last couple of months and they are many. (laughs) And I have the stewardship of working and providing for my family. And, of course, the enticements that go along with that stewardship make up a huge part of my day.
2: And these two thought habits – Leading up to thought habit number six today, being truly grateful in adversity, they, they all work and mesh together. Allowing your knowledge of stewardships and enticements and, and, and applying that knowledge, it's paramount to learning how to enjoy your day and make every day worthwhile and prepare for the inevitable in adversities that come in life.
1: Okay, adversities is a big subject. Learning to be grateful during adversity is an even bigger subject. We can be assured that that this thought habit is something Jesus Christ experienced fully, especially while he was performing the atonement. He went through the greatest adversity of all by going through everything that encompasses encompasses that atonement. We are sure He will be sitting right by you throughout this lesson, whispering things that we are not even going to say because we know he has a personal message just for you in this lesson.
2: And please, whatever he tells you, it really is his personal message just for you right now.
1: No one gets through this life unscathed. There isn't anyone in our lives right now that we can think of that isn't going through some kind of major adversity right at this moment.
2: Yeah. We talked about it. We're like, who? No, there's no one. Everybody we know. Adversities have really ramped up. They in have. The this
1: is the last days. Exactly. There are going to be adversities. There's yep. no more sitting by the wayside anymore.
2: No, it's gone.
1: And, and if you don't believe that, go back and read the conference talks from the last three or four conferences. Yep. The brethren have reiterated that over and over and over again. So if you're having adversity right now, don't feel like you're on an island. You are among friends who understand. And let's see if together – we can find some more meaning in these challenges that we are all going through right now. So what are adversities? We define them as supersized enticements.
2: <laughs> supersized. it. <laughs> so if you listen to the enticement
1: lessons, you know what enticements are. These are supersized enticements. Yes. They have a much greater emotional pull than enticements do. In some cases, they even cause our whole life to come to a screeching halt, like with the death of a loved one or the sudden loss of a job. One of the most important reasons to use enticements for spiritual growth is because when we do that, we are basically going to the spiritual gym and working out that spiritual muscle. So when an adversity comes upon us, we will be ready to remain spiritually steadfast while we're going through it.
2: That's right. And you'll be able to remain spiritually steadfast going through adversity because of building these thought habits. The prophets all throughout time, as well as many other wise leaders in a lot of other faiths, they recommend to rejoice in adversities and be thankful for them. We're going to go over that quite a bit today, but we can't do that if we first don't learn to see all things spiritually. When we use the enticements around us for spiritual growth every day— Then when the big supersized enticements of adversity come along, you have habits created in order to really handle the hard things because of the companionship you've created with Jesus Christ. And you're prepared to be able to see the adversity the way that he sees it. And if you aren't using the daily enticements around you for spiritual growth, guaranteed when adversities come – it's really easy to fall quickly into darkness. In the first lesson that we gave, we talked about Nephi on the ship, and we brought up several examples of really hard things that come up in life. Do you remember some of those, like the IRS garnishing your paycheck, your father committing suicide, growing up in an abusive home, going to therapy to try to understand how to break chains? your son calling you from jail or your mother telling you she has cancer. There And there's so many more. All of these things, they make up the really messy things that come up in life. So how do we get through them? How do we really learn to rejoice while we're experiencing them? Let's go to James. He tells us, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Let's take a step back. He just had a great mental attitude, right? He just learned how to toughen it out and look on the bright side. I'm
1: good enough. I'm smart enough. And (laughs) doggone it, people like me.
2: Plaster the smile on and fake his way through. Uh, No, he was not faking his way through. And yes, a great mental attitude was a result of how he handled adversity. But it wasn't the reason he was able to go through everything he did, like major persecution and leaders being crucified and lions-eating Christians in the Roman circus. You know, those those small little things that he had to endure and and watch. Okay, let's go back to the scriptures. Doctrine and Covenants 98 tells us, "'Rejoice evermore, and in everything give thanks.'" Wait patiently on the Lord, for your prayers have entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabaoth, and all things wherewith you have been afflicted shall work together for your good. And then also in D&C 78, it says, and he who receiveth all things with thankfulness shall be made glorious. Does this this really mean everything when they talk about that in D&C? What about when you're single and you're 45 years old and you feel like you are never going to find a spouse and you're going to be alone for the rest of your life? Is, is this what he's talking about here, to be receiving that with thankfulness or when your child is hospitalized with an incurable disease or when you lose a sibling or several members of your family to the great and spacious building of the world? I'm supposed to rejoice when these things happen. Is that really real? And the answer to this is yes. When we understand the adversity, like our Savior, Jesus Christ, understands it. Oh, I didn't realize I'd get emotional there. (laughs) The point isn't that we are super happy (laughs) when our child is dying and we go around with a fake smile or that we jump on social media and tell everyone how excited we are that family has left the church with a big thumbs up emoji <laughs> that's not the point the point is is that we rejoice no matter what happens in this world good or bad because our place in heavenly father's kingdom is secure because of the atonement of our savior jesus christ and everyone around us every person in our family No matter what is happening in their life, that atonement of Jesus Christ is there for them too. That is something I can rejoice over no matter what. When you focus spiritually instead of temporally and remain steadfast in Christ, what happens? When we do that, we can release the power of Christ in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in in the very depths of our soul. His power is made manifest in every adversity when we are spiritually focused during the adversity. Either the event itself will change or you will be given angels to help you through the fire, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego.
1: And it's important to realize what Andrea just said, that you have to stay focused spiritually inside the adversity, not just after, Yes. not just looking back after and say, Oh, there's so many things I can learn about this after my pain and suffering is over. The real miracles that can occur inside the adversity are when you stay steadfast within it, not just after, but right in the middle of it. Paul gave us another beautiful scripture about this in Romans. He said, but who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Afflictions are a part of the curriculum of this life, just like we talked about in the last lesson. In D&C and in Second Nephi, the Lord tells us to use these adversities for our gain and that we may be prepared to receive our glory. He said, my people must be tried in all things that they may be prepared to receive the glory that I have for them, even the glory of Zion. That's what we've been talking about. Yes, We have to be prepared to walk into Zion and don't think for a second that you can get there without going through these adversities and staying steadfast in the midst of them. And, that is and, a requirement.
2: And, and having that relationship with our Savior because of it, because of that.
1: And Nephi says, quote, And he shall consecrate thine afflictions for thy gain. And then the Lord told Joseph Smith directly, Know thou, my son, that all these things shall give thee experience and be for thy good. Brent's favorite? That is my favorite. That is the scripture that I run through my mind and heart when I am facing a true adversity. I love the thinking that in the midst of this big adversity, it can be for my good. Are there other adversities in the scriptures? We know there are. They're everywhere. One reason why we have found so many heroes in the scriptures that we love so much is because of the stories that tell exactly about what we're talking about here. The stories we love are not accounts of people who just gave in to Satan or who cursed God during their darkest right. hour.
2: Or who rolled over and just gave up.
1: Or or who... Gave up on their testimonies of Jesus Christ and ran to the great and spacious building just because times were hard. No, we love them because they are about men and women who remained steadfast in Christ during their adversities. And we see the miracles that occurred because of that. That's why we love these stories. We love reading about Daniel in the lion's den. Our hearts rejoice when the prison walls fall for Alma and Amulek. And we can see in our mind's eye the movie of. of David yelling his testimony at Goliath and then defeating him. These stories touch our hearts because of the courage that they showed and remaining steadfast in the midst of their adversities.
2: If we get hooked by the adversity and don't remain steadfast in Jesus, we simply will just never know what the power of Jesus Christ could have done for us while we were going through it. And Again, I'm not talking about not feeling emotions. That's not what we're saying. Adversities bring up a lot of emotion, deep emotion, full of grief, sorrow, sadness, jealousy, and hurt. But when you use the situations and emotions to focus spiritually and go through it together with Jesus Christ, his power will be released on your behalf. President Nelson said it very well in his talk, Joy and Spiritual Survival. He said this.
0: Joy is powerful, and focusing on joy brings God's power into our lives. As in all things, Jesus Christ is our ultimate exemplar, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Think of that. In order for him to endure the most excruciating experience ever endured on earth, our Savior focused on joy.
2: Sometimes in the church, we we can pat our, each other on the back while going through an adversity and maybe say things that we believe are well-meaning, like, remember to find the good in this and count your blessings, as if counting our blessings or finding the good will somehow cancel the pains that we're enduring. What I love about what President Nelson said about the Savior is that the joy he was feeling did not cancel his pain, but the joy he felt made the pain worthwhile. Some friends of ours, Ilya and Katie, they have been through some major adversities in the last couple of years. We wanted to share their story with you to see how it could help. Ilya has always struggled with kidney issues and they worried at some point that he was going to have to have a transplant. At the same time as starting a new business, living on their savings, (laughs) moving to a trailer to live for free so Ilya could keep working on that business, those are big adversities in and of themselves. On top of all of that, his kidney health just kept declining and getting worse. We asked Katie to tell us in her words, and she told us this. This is how she expressed their story.
3: It got to the point in October of 2019 that the specialist told us if he continued deteriorating at this rate, he would need a transplant by May of 2020. I did not want him to have to do a transplant. I believe in the body's ability to heal itself, and I also really believe in God's miracles. And I just knew that a major surgery and then a lifetime of immunosuppression was not what we wanted as our first option. I just wanted God to heal him, honestly. So I invited hundreds of our friends and family to fast and pray for a miracle with us. I just knew that God would heal his kidneys. Months went by, and we went back for Ilya's kidney appointment, and his kidney function had stayed exactly the same. God had not healed Ilya, and I was so angry. But I learned a lot about humility from my husband that day. He told me, I just have a feeling that a kidney transplant is an important part of my path, and for some reason, It will be really important to the person who is donating the kidney. I was even more angry. I felt like he was just giving up, choosing the easy way, that he didn't want to do the hard work of having faith in something miraculous. I was so wrong. It took me some time to completely surrender my will, but eventually I did. I surrendered to whatever experiences were coming, even if transplant killed him. That one was really hard. I surrendered my will so much that I even said yes to selling everything and moving into a 36-foot travel trailer. I was homeschooling five kids from that travel trailer while making money to provide for our family and actually really loving life. 2020 was the best year of my life. After I surrendered my will completely, God showed up for me in big ways. He taught me to daily, hourly, every minute return my focus to Him. I just kept hearing, I single to my glory, I single to my glory. I was being tutored on how to do the most mundane things with an I single to God's glory. Change diapers, scrub toilets, make breakfast, pay the bills, everything. Became a way to praise God and keep my eye focused on Him. He was actually preparing me for the hardest year of my life. In late 2020, we learned it was time to prepare for transplant. So we started the process. We prayed that He could get the transplant before having to do dialysis. But alas, the process to get approved for pr- transplant took so long that we ended up having to start dialysis in early 2021. It was dialysis that you do from home, and he would hook into it each night, and then it would basically filter his blood while he was asleep. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. It kept us up all night long, and it didn't really work, and he just felt awful, We had a lot of ER visits because of imbalanced electrolytes, which I don't know if you know this, but too much potassium can stop your heart and not enough can do other problems, but he was having too much. Ilya felt terrible all of the time and somehow he was trying to still launch this company and get us out of the trailer. I tried every day to keep my eye focused on God. And luckily, it was a habit by this time. In May of 2021, we were really worn out. We were weary, really down to our bones. Like maybe we were just being held together by duct tape and, of course, Jesus. But we got the good news that he was officially approved for transplant. On June 4th, a friend told me that her brother had passed away and they had his organs to donate. They wanted to see if Ilya was a match. It was about a 1 in 100,000 chance, but he did end up being a match. They also donated to a man who needed lungs. The transplant team said that they had never seen two directed donations from one donor match. It was such a small chance, like maybe one in quadrillion. They had never seen this, and they said maybe this has never actually happened in the history of transplant. But they both matched, and both had successful surgeries, and both men are doing well today. I knew it had come full circle when my friend told me this was so important to our family. Thank you so much for being willing to receive this. Because of the way her brother had died tragically, They needed to see a miracle from God. They needed something that was so big that they had no choice but to understand it was God sending them a message. Ilya knew a year and a half earlier that it would be important for the donor and it absolutely was. I am so grateful he was willing to receive that experience. We got to have a front row seat to a one in quadrillion miracle And it actually changed us. The year was full of many more hospital visits, biopsies, medication changes, and still living in the trailer. Everything is still not completely better. But we have an absolute assurance that God orchestrates our lives and that every single experience will be good in the end. We can echo what Paul said to the Romans. With absolute surety. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God.
2: Many, many thanks to our friend Katie for sharing her testimony with us. Isn't it amazing how the Lord prepared their spiritual muscles for the adversity that they were going to go through? And we testify that when you look back after those adversities that you have had, You will always see God's hand when you have chosen to focus spiritually, guaranteed.
1: I love their story so much. It has been such an inspiration to have them as friends of our family. Okay, there are three basic principles inside every adversity to help you get through it. Katie and Ilya, as well as hundreds of other saints, have witnessed the power of these basic principles in helping them to get through an adversity. Number one is gratitude. When we thank Him in the middle of an adversity, we can remain spiritually focused. That is why we are told to be thankful in all things, because there is power there. In November, 2020, President Nelson sent a message to the world about this very concept. You'll remember at this time that we were in the middle of COVID and there was a lot of panic throughout the world because of it. So what message did the Lord's prophet give to the world at this time?
0: There is no medication or operation that can fix the many spiritual woes and maladies that we face. There is, however, a remedy, one that may seem surprising because it flies in the face of our natural intuitions. Nevertheless, its effects have been validated by scientists as well as men and women of faith. I'm referring to the healing power of gratitude. Over my nine and a half decades of life, I have concluded that counting our blessings is far better than recounting our problems. No matter our situation, showing gratitude for our privileges is a fast-acting and long-lasting spiritual prescription. Does gratitude spare us from sorrow, sadness, grief, and pain? No, but it does soothe
2: our feelings. I remember when we knew he was going to give a message, like preparing ourselves.
1: I was so excited. Like,
2: oh my gosh, what is the prophet going to tell us in the middle of this COVID year?
1: (laughs) Well, and I remember being a little taken aback that the message in the middle of this worldwide fear that was happening was about gratitude. But the more I followed his counsel in the days that followed, the more my feelings really were soothed. There is such power in gratitude. The second principle to help us get through adversity is overcome. Adversities, like enticements, are there to help us to choose spiritual growth or to be overcome by the world. Once we make that choice to be spiritually focused, we can overcome and transcend that adversity. And that is real.
2: Yes, it is very, very real that in the middle of it, you can overcome it together. With your Savior, Jesus Christ.
1: Well, and the third step is to be steadfast in Christ, to never give up on that hope and that faith that he is the one who is mighty to save. As we remain steadfast, the heavens are going to provide solutions for us. We will be given peace that passeth all understanding, and we will feel the immediate goodness of God.
2: Or like little words whispering to us, like what Katie said of, I single to my glory.
1: Exactly. M. Russell Ballard had this to say about the adversities in our lives. He said, Of
0: course, that does not necessarily mean that we will be spared personal suffering and heartache. Righteousness has never precluded adversity. But faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, real faith, whole-souled and unshakable, is a power to be reckoned with in the universe. It can be a causative force through which miracles are wrought, or it can be a source of inner strength through which we find peace, comfort, and courage to cope.
2: My favorite part of this quote is when he talked about real faith, whole-souled and unshakable, as being a power to be reckoned with in the universe. In our minds, I think that we all know that that power is real, but sometimes I worry that maybe we lack the faith that that power is real for me. And so that when the adversity comes, it can be overwhelming. And we can set these principles aside within and and instead of applying them. Our good friend Melissa shared some of her story with us about this particular thing in her life. Quote, I was blessed to learn about the power of gratitude and praising God at a young age because of my mother. Then I was introduced to the skills of being spiritually centered, and it added upon my knowledge. But as I got into marriage, family, and all the difficulties that presented themselves, I quickly forgot about applying these skills through the hardships. We went through years of financial heartache and business problems, and then the partner in our business was very dishonest and cheated us out of a lot of money. To make ends meet, my husband ended up working as many jobs as possible And we never saw him. I had three young children, and I just did not feel like I had any help at all. For many years, I was just always stressed out, anxiety-ridden, and I feel like I I just never saw the light. I didn't know if God saw me or not. And I wondered why I was so picked on. I, I really was in a very horrible victim mentality. I had convinced myself that what I was experiencing was worse than anything anyone else was going through. Then I ended up going to an emotional resilience class that the church provides. And in this class, it takes the participants through many scriptures, quotes, talks, and it provides an atmosphere of processing through things. And one day in one of the classes— It hit me. I realized that everything that we were talking about in these classes, I had already learned before. And looking back over the past five years of my life, I I know that the Lord had already given me the knowledge that I needed. But I had forgotten to actually apply that knowledge and had become spiritually dark because of it. I had put all of that knowledge that I had learned at a young age on the shelf And dust gathered on my mind on how to be spiritually focused. When I took it off the shelf and dusted it off, I realized that I really had missed much of my life. And I don't regret going through the hardships because of everything that they taught me. But now looking back, I know that I missed so much because I was choosing to focus temporally instead of spiritually. I know better now. I am here to tell you Don't put these skills of choosing to be spiritually centered through your challenges on the shelf. As I took them off and started dusting them off and applying them, the light started coming through the clouds at a miraculous rate. The Lord was just waiting for me to look to Him again and soften my heart. It felt so good to be spiritually focused, and I am feeling joy— all the difficulties in my life, they have not gone away. But the difference is now I'm able, I'm going through my life for the Lord. And my sense of happiness has increased so much. I'm so grateful I'm now choosing to go through my adversities with a steadfastness in Jesus Christ instead of being a victim about my life. Close quote. When she shared this with us, I was reminded how important it is for us to get these principles rooted within ourselves. The power of habit is real. And whether they're good habits or bad habits, <laughs> it's very real. And even though, like in this example, she had had the knowledge of how to live her life with a spiritual focus, she hadn't built the habit to respond to those adversity, the adversities that showed up in the Lord's way. So this is your invitation. Don't put any of these thought habits of Jesus Christ on a shelf and come back to them later. Use them now, and please make sure that they are becoming rooted within you.
1: Each of our adversities are packaged uniquely for us and for our growth. And because of that, sometimes we feel like we are on that island. We're we're the only one experiencing this terrible thing that's going on. But when we have a lifetime of experience to look back on we will very easily see that pretty much all of them lead us to the same result surrendering our life to god
2: that's right i one reason why the brethren can testify to all of this is because
1: they have a lifetime of experience they have a lifetime
2: of experience that have taught them how to surrender their life
1: to the lord president howard w hunter pointed out that no adversity is ever wasted in his talk the opening and closing of doors he said this I
0: share the view expressed by Orson F. Whitney in these words. No pain that we suffer, no trial that we experience, is wasted. It ministers to our education, to the development of such qualities as patience, faith, fortitude, and humility. All that we suffer and all that we endure, especially when we endure it patiently, builds up our characters purifies our hearts, expands our souls, and makes us more tender and charitable, more worthy to be called the children of God. And it is through sorrow and suffering, trial and tribulation, that we gain the education that we came here to acquire, and which will make us more like our Father in Heaven.
1: When we go through our adversities for Heavenly Father and the Savior, we go to the spiritual dimension— And we can be willing to suffer for them because they suffered for us. The Apostle Paul is one of the greatest examples of staying steadfast in Christ within adversity. But what kind of adversities did he go through? Probably probably not very many. Not very many. Let's look at at a couple of them. (laughs) Five times, five times, he received 39 stripes. And if you remember, 40 was a death sentence. Three times— He was beaten with rods. He was stoned once. Have you ever been stoned? Yeah. I haven't ever been stoned.
2: I don't want to live that program for sure.
1: Three times he went through being shipwrecked. He told us that he had a thorn in his side and he didn't ever tell us what it was, but it was obviously something significant and ongoing that he had to deal with. And he told us that he prayed for relief multiple times, but that relief never came. He told us that while he was traveling, he experienced robbers, heathens in the wilderness, among false brethren. He was weary. He went through pain, hunger, thirst, cold, nakedness, and remember, he did all of this while he was on a lifelong mission for Christ. Right,
2: like he could have, he could have had so many thoughts of, why would you do this to me when I'm doing all of this for you?
1: I mean <laughs> it would have been so easy for him to shake his fist at the Lord but instead let's see what he said in second second Corinthians chapter 4 for our light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us as a far more exceeding and an eternal weight of glory wait a second he thinks everything he went through were light afflictions how was he able to really say that and mean it because he was spiritually focused paul then Says this about the purposes of his adversities Quote, For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong.
2: For Christ's sake. <laughs> That is
1: the key. Exactly. When he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. what What does he mean? It means that in and of ourselves, we can do nothing. But when we are spiritually centered, then our strength comes from Heavenly Father and from Jesus Christ. We definitely don't have adversities every day. Thank heavens. None of us would want to have those major adversities every day. But we do have enticements every day. The world is designed for that, and it's in the using of these enticements for our spiritual growth that is going to prepare us for the adversities when they come.
2: And and like Brent was talking about, there is power in being willing to suffer for him, for Jesus Christ, who suffered for me. The reality of the type of pain and suffering that we go through when we're going through tragic adversities is very deep. For example, when you find out that your child is struggling with homosexuality, there's a pain associated with the entire experience from many fronts with what your child is feeling because of other people's judgments and reactions because of, oh, gee, so many emotions in that. When Or another example, when you or a loved one gets diagnosed with cancer, That pain is so very real.
1: Or something that happened in my life, the very real pain that comes when you lose someone you love to suicide. My father took his life when I was 17. I still remember perfectly the room that I was standing in and what the phone felt like in my hand as my aunt reported to me that my dad was dead. Even all these years later, the pain is very real and very deep. But I never let it consume me. Because even at that young age, and especially now, I understand that any time the pain of that experience surfaces for me, I go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I see what my Savior went through for me. And I know His grace is sufficient for me. I suppose the pain of this particular adversity will always be a part of my life. That may be one of the biggest tragedies of suicide. But the pain never really goes away. But I am willing to endure it if it helps me to be closer to Him who is mighty to save.
2: I just love that imagery that Brent was talking about of going to the garden and how they're picturing what Christ was going through in those moments. And as we become willing to suffer for Christ because he was willing to suffer for me, then we become willing to endure the pain for him and with him. And we transfer that pain to where the the heavens will help us to overcome. And the heavens rejoice because they know our spiritual steadfastness will release the powers of heaven to bless us, to sustain us, to buoy us up, and to make the entire journey worthwhile. I want to share an experience that Brent and I had. We had just had our third child, and we were in a place of big financial stress. The business failed following the crash of 2008, and we were in asset management, and all the assets went away. (laughs) For several years, we tried everything that we could think of to save it, including our money, energy, our house, all of it needless to say everything was also lost we kept waiting for things to get better and it just never did our credit was shot we were doing everything we could to just keep the lights on and buy diapers and nothing was working for our benefit is what it felt like one day i opened the bank account and i saw that the irs had started to garnish the very little wages that we were making And we found out that there were back taxes owed that we had overlooked when we were trying to close out everything with the business. And it was a couple of days before we had to pay the electricity bill and rent and with what they ended up taking, we were not going to be able to keep up. It really was the last straw for me emotionally. I thought up to that point that I had been applying the principles of being spiritually centered through the experience, and I thought that I was applying faith to be released from financial hardship, visualizing success, praying for release, staying positive, all the things. This day, I could not keep my head up. The fiery darts were just getting through and getting me, and I went to God in prayer, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. I remember where I was laying on the floor, and I just didn't know what to do with the crushing emotion that was taking me over. So I asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? It was a shaking your fist moment, and I told him, I will do anything that you ask of me to get us out of this. What do you want? And and then he replied very specifically actually. It was a moment when the spirit was very clear. He said this, "Will you be poor for me?" And that shocked me completely. I did not to get expect to get any answer really at this point because I was just emotionally throwing up. But when the question came as clear as day, it jolted me. And I had to get to a place of complete surrender, and the Lord was about ready to teach me what that really meant. Now, over the next several weeks after this breakdown, the Spirit taught me so many different things, and it's hard to present them all in a format that wouldn't take forever. (laughs) So we decided to, uh, for the sake of brevity, to put it into a conversation-like format And I would just invite you, as you listen, no matter what adversity you're going through, see if any of this applies for you. So me, I will start with me. Will I be poor for you, Lord? But why? (laughs) You don't want that for me. You don't want us to be constantly on edge and not taking care of our family. You don't want me to be stressed out like this about the IRS. How could you want that for me? And then the Lord replied, So because I'm asking you to go through this for me, you're devastated and you want a different answer. And me. Well, I have been faithful. I've been unwavering in applying my spiritual focus and faith. I have completely focused on being released from financial hardships. Isn't that what I am supposed to do? But when the IRS garnished the money, Andrea, you were devastated. Well, of course I'm devastated. This is horrible. I don't want this in my life. The spirit. Andrea, you reacted with devastation which means you have not been spiritually focused. You have been temporally focused on being released. You have not been going through this trial for me. Can you be steadfast in Christ through any answer that I give? How can I handle this so that I can be joyful knowing that we might not ever be released from this burden? It just seems impossible to me. The Lord One way is by putting your life in my hands completely. You've been putting the happiness of your life into the hands of the IRS, to creditors, to your landlord, and to anyone else who wants money from you. You have also been expecting a release from debt to provide you happiness. Well, how do I give my life to you then, Lord? I thought that I had been applying unshaken faith— When I was focusing on being released from debt, if you had been applying unshaken faith, Andrea, then you would not have been devastated. Instead, focusing on being willing to be poor for me as long as it takes for you to get your lessons. Be willing to go through this out of the love you feel for me and the Savior. This way, your faith will never waver no matter what comes. Stop putting your life in the hands of the institutions of men. The IRS has no power over you unless I give it to them. The creditors have no power over you unless I give it to them. Do you believe that I have power over everything in this world, including the IRS? But I just don't want to be poor anymore. I don't want to feel the stress anymore. I don't want to worry about this anymore. And in the spirit, Andrea, you are arguing for the weakness. You're giving the power of your agency to making money, to the creditors, to the IRS, and now you are not happy with your choice. Okay, Father, so what can I do so I don't give my power away anymore? Andrea, Ask me to help you have faith to remain poor for as long as I want you to be here. The IRS is calling you for their benefit, not yours. The creditors are calling you for their benefit, not yours. Your faith is sufficient in me to be released when you have fully benefited from this experience. I am in charge of releasing you from financial hardship and no one else. Okay, Lord, then tell me, what should I do? Begin again to see all things spiritually. Let me be in charge of when you are released. When the IRS calls, remember that I am in charge of them as well. Be willing to be poor for me as long as it takes for you to learn to glorify me within your weaknesses. Become fully at peace with this kind of surrender and commitment in your life to spiritual focus and going through all of this to glorify me and to be steadfast in your Savior. And to know that he suffered for you, be willing to suffer for him. Close conversation. (laughs) After receiving all of those different tutorings from the Lord, like I said, over several weeks, I really truly was just dumbfounded. So many times over those weeks of the Spirit teaching me, I had to admit to myself that I actually had not been truly spiritually focused before, that I had been a victim to all of the situations around me, and I thought if I focused hard enough on the result that I wanted, that the release would come. But then the Lord taught me another level of what that really meant to be spiritually focused, and was I willing to go through this Abrahamic trial for Him I really had to humble myself quite a bit, and I came to realize that I really was giving my power away to the IRS, to credit agencies, to not knowing where the next paycheck would come from, to all of the other things, and the Spirit taught me as I was being humbled that I had been putting my life in the hands of men and not in the hands of God, and switching that, and by telling the Lord that I would go through this for Him— I was putting my life back into his hands.
1: Well, and I also remember how I had to humble myself as well and to know to come to myself that I would be willing to be poor for Heavenly Father after Andrea shared these experiences with me. We had to come to that reality that really maybe God did want us to be poor. And if that's what he was asking us to do, then we would be willing to go through it for Him.
2: And it took me a while of humbling myself, but when when I really started giving my stress to the Lord and glorifying Heavenly Father, no matter what was showing up, it was amazing how much He lifted the stress from my body. The financial hardship, it did not stop immediately. But we truly started living in gratitude for everything that the Lord had placed in our paths, including everything it meant with being poor. And I remember saying to myself things like, okay, Lord, I'm willing to go through this for thee as long as you want me to. Or I'd say things like, Lord, I praise thee that the creditors are calling me. (laughs) This is for their benefit, not mine. I can talk to them because of my love for you. We finally got to the point in our hearts that we were okay being in that situation as long as necessary, and we found peace inside of our fire.
1: Then the miracle came. We were introduced to someone who was a specialist in dealing with our specific circumstances. He already had a very good relationship with the department at the IRS that we needed to work with. And he helped get us—he helped our garnishments to stop, and he worked with us on a settlement with them and has been keeping us above board ever since. It truly was a miracle, the way the Lord found someone that knew exactly what we needed to help us. And then I was introduced to someone in our ward that actually ended up getting us a job, getting me a job, that put us on the path to financial recovery. It
2: was a huge healing financially for us.
1: And there were so many different connections that happened once we truly put our lives in God's hands. And he set us on a completely different path that ended up leading to financial freedom. We had been in a place where we found joy in the midst of that hardship. And truly, I can testify that the power of Christ was released on our behalf. Adversities are big. They are a huge part of our life. Like we said at the beginning, everyone in our life is going through some kind of adversity right now. But the power of Jesus Christ really is manifested during any adversity. We hope you felt his love for you throughout this lesson and had tender mercy moments with something that he whispered to you, whatever your adversity might be right now. Okay, let's look at Alma's process for change for adversities. The seed we are inviting you to plant is that the power of Jesus Christ can be manifested in my adversities. So first, we're going to awake and arouse our faculties to see as Christ sees. The list of scriptures and talks that we have provided for this lesson are just beautiful. Please take some time to include them into your personal study. So many of them include stories from the prophets that have gone through tremendous adversities in their lives. You are among the brightest the Lord has ever sent to this earth. You walk with the prophets when you are spiritually focused during your adversities.
2: Second, exercise a particle of faith to think as Christ thinks. If you are not going through any particular big adversity right now, then just remember that using stewardships and enticements, that's your training ground to exercise your spiritual muscles to prepare you for when adversities come. And practice remaining steadfast through the enticements of the day and feel the difference of how the power of praise and prayer can keep that shield of faith up. If you are going through a big adversity right now, we just want to reach through the microphone and hug you.
1: We love you. We love you. Stay in the boat.
2: (laughs) The effects from adversity can touch our lives for long periods of time And if you haven't tried using gratitude in your adversities, then we invite you to start doing that immediately. Put the formula the prophets of the Lord throughout the ages have used to the test with gratitude, steadfastness in Christ, and a spiritual focus. Going to the Garden of Gethsemane and witnessing the pain our Savior went through for you will cause you to realize the price for your pain has already been paid for. You can hand it over to Him and watch the miracles that will occur. And as you reach to the heavens, the heavens will open to you. That we just testify of with as much energy as we possibly can (laughs) we've also included of course some prayer phrases and the sample prayers provided on the website
1: third is desire to believe and let that desire work in you to feel as christ feels pray to see the power of jesus christ manifested in your adversities once again pay attention to those swelling motions that are going to come in the enlightening of your soul and your mind use the eye of faith To see the fruits of this principle, so often the fruit we receive within adversity is that the Lord will make our burdens light. There is testimony after testimony of people who have remained spiritually steadfast through their adversities, and they all commonly say, He made my burdens light. See in your mind's eye the Lord taking that burden off your shoulders and carrying it for you. There is a guided meditation to help you do this on our website.
2: Fourth is give a place for a portion of my word by doing all these things out of the love that we feel for our Heavenly Father and for our Savior. Search, ponder, and pray over the next few days because of your love for Him. And don't, please don't cast these truths out by your unbelief. The adversary will try and convince you to abandon everything that we have talked about today in the midst of your adversity. He's going to try to convince you that, you know, all that stuff doesn't work or being grateful for hard things is a stupid idea or any thoughts like that that come. But hold strong. This is the way Heavenly Father gave us to get through adversities with joy.
1: I want to bear my witness that there are no wasted experience in this life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But only when we choose to go through them all for Christ. I bear my witness of him who is mighty to save. He really did suffer the pains of all men, which caused him, even God, to bleed from every pore and suffer both body and spirit. And I testify that he finished his preparations for you. Can you now go through this life for him? May God bless you in good times and in bad to feel his glorious love. Until we talk again, never forget that the worth of your soul is great in the sight of God. The Worth of Souls podcast is not an official publication of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you have any questions about the doctrines discussed here, please visit the church's official website for clarification.